Welcome to Naming It, where we discuss pop culture, current events, and how they relate to the way that we live our lives, all through the lens of two black psychologists. Naming It is dedicated to acknowledging the elephant in the room, validating the lived experience of people of color. Coming to you from the Bay Area, California, we thank you for joining us. I'm Dr. Bedford Palmer. And I'm Dr. Lamisha Hill. Music on Naming It is provided by Lee England Jr., the sole violinist. Good morning, evening, afternoon. Yeah. Welcome to Naming It. Welcome to Naming It, y'all. Episode number four, zero. Four to the zero, four to the not. Four times ten. Four. No, is that four times ten? Yeah, yeah, it's four times ten. Yeah, I'm right. There I'm we go. A, I'm going to stay out of it. Yeah. Okay. All right. You don't, wanna, you don't like your math right now? You're in the math mm-hmm. skills department right now? No. Okay. All right. All right. So, what's going on? Hey, y'all. Hey. So, we're, Happy Saturday. Happy, well, it's not Saturday where they are. So okay, it's, yeah, it's Saturday, it's Saturday where Monday. we are, whatever day it is where you all are at. Well, actually, it is a, a special day. It's inter, Is it International Podcasting Day? Is that what that is? I believe it is. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is right now on this Saturday. But when you hear it, it'll, it'll you know, it'll be. Shout Monday. out to all the podcasts around the globe, the podcasting community, and yeah. naming it, we are really happy to be part of it. Yeah, you know, I, you know, want to shout out to a couple of your faves. You you want to want to throw anybody out there? Uh, shout out to So, you know, like a uh, really dope podcast has been, you know, we want to put it out for them. Um Jedi Council, you know, they they've thrown some love our way, so we throw some love their way too, you know, Convince you Me Podcast. Convince Me, okay. I haven't heard that one. Yes, my my friend Mandy down in Pasadena. Okay. Her partner. Okay. All right. And his crew. All right. Uh, Dismantled. Dismantled's another uh, another little podcast that's in our area. Uh, so good for them. Uh, and a uh, big, big shout out to our, our podcast family, our Potter and Family friends and yeah. um, our Pods and Color folks. And yeah. All the, the them folks out there who uh, are out there getting their grind on, doing their podcasting, trying to create something special. Yes. Keep it up, y'all. Yeah. Keep it up. <laughs> Go it. ahead. Sing your... Sing your is, is y'all remember the song? Do you remember the song? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh. Okay. This, this is a good a good musical trivia. I No. No trivia. I have no idea. What's the song? Up Jumps the Boogie. Okay. That's... But you said giddy up and that's No, I what, said keep it up. Keep it up. We gonna show you how to party. Keep it up. That doesn't sound like anything I know at all. You've never heard that? I'm pretty sure I know the song, but I'm saying is uh, what you just I did. I am not didn't messing sound it up. Nope. Like mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna have to move on, folks. Uh, we'll move it uh, on. This, this is. Uh, I am yeah. so excited to do my shouting check-in. Go ahead, do your shouting. So. For 33-odd years, I have officially broken... Oh, the, the, I, what? what are you, you going to say here? I, 
I am no longer able to say and claim that I have never been camping anymore. You I have to, I have officially your girl are, has gone camping in the wilderness, we are y'all. A wholesome show. You were about to make an analogy that that your church loving folks would not 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 be happy with. That was ooh saved you from yourself just now. Look at you, thirty years haven't done. I don't know where your mind is. Yo. I don't know where your mind is. But your girl's gone camping. Yay. It was really fun. I got lots of gear. Made a few purchases. Went out to Yosemite with a group of about 17 folks. You've never been camping in, like, your entire life? Never. That is amazing. I know. You are more black than I've ever thought before. Oh, that is classic. (laughs) Okay. Are we really going there? I'm not even going to let you try to drag me like that. No, I'm just saying. I'm not even going to let you try. I'm not even going to answer the question, Bedford. It's real talk. No, your girl had never been camping before. I lived in probably one of the most beloved camping states in the USA. And you didn't go camping. And I never went camping all the time I lived in Oregon. What about, I mean, you didn't do... I was not a not a brownie, not a Girl Scout. Have I been fishing? Yeah. I've been on an an epic fishing trip in Alaska. That's camping. No, 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 no. It was not camping. I did some open water salmon fishing, which was really, really cool. So it it was bougie. Uh, you could say that. I'm, I'm just saying the way you said it. It's like it's epic. And then it when was I said epic. Camp, when it I was, said was epic. Camping, but there was you no, got there all was like no, kind of weird for a second. There was no camping like, y'all didn't involved. See, you didn't see the look of kind of disgust there was on no, her face. There was no it. putting uh, any kind of bait on my own line. There was none of that. All of that was, was So you handled. didn't go fishing. If you I didn't did put go bait f- on your own line, you didn't go fishing. I had to reel the fish in. That you do that to a kid. Hey, here, no six year old Johnny. No. Can you please just go Sam, ahead and reel salmon in. fishing is really hard. Whatever. If you really, didn't, if you didn't really, bait really your own hook, you didn't go fishing. Oh, what? No, no. no so no, you haven't no, been no, fishing. No. You can't. You haven't been nope. camping. No. Can, can you swim? We're not going there, Bedford. So you can't swim either. Why? I'm not. Hey, I'm, I'm not gonna. Saying, I'm not gonna you, entertain you more, your you, assumptions about my blackness. Okay. I'm. It's not your, assumption. your assumptions about my blackness. And you're I can't always either. up in the in the building trying to take away my black card. I ain't trying to take. I'm giving you. I'm. I'm reinstating. You know what I'm saying? Here. Here. You. 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 You've. You've reached like uh, status three. You know what I'm saying? You got. You got the the oh. the, the platinum black card right now. <laughs> Look. All I want to tell people is. Is that camping is a really good way to get your survival preparedness on? Um, so I kind of use it as a, as a as a double to you know do I have all of my supplies in order whether that's batteries extra water etc. I kind of used it as a as a hold, bit of a hold on hold on of a yeah you've been camping once okay and, and now you gonna preach you gonna you you like a born again camper. I'm, I'm, tell an, I'm an evangelical <laughs> prepper, okay? I'm trying to get my preparedness on. Uh-huh. If we would love to know, you know, here at Naming It, maybe we should have a little a segment. Bedford's going to get on me about introducing new segments. But I do think that being prepared in an urban environment or wherever our namers live is really, really important. And going camping has showed me a few things that I need to do a little bit better, like so, putting my jacket in my bag because I walked off and your girl forgot her jacket. Uh, nice to know. 
I'm going to pull us back on topic. If you okay. want to do a camping, uh, you yeah, know. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. Yeah, so you just go, yeah. you go, you, you register with iTunes, you put together a podcast, it's Camping <sighs> with Lamisha, and we can do the camping thing. And I'll come on as a guest, because I've camped a lot. I know how to start a fire with my own hand. I, I can do all that stuff. Oh, I can still, you know, but. Can you? Yeah. I'm just saying, I don't know how you could get to 30 and never go camping. That's just amazing to me. Um, so. Moving on, folks. What would uh, you like to check in about? Uh, I, I think I did my check-in already. That was my, my, my earlier one. So are we ready for... Uh... Ready for what's going on? Yeah. Play the jams. All right. So go ahead. Y'all do that. What's going on? <laughs> hey. No, no. What's going on? <laughs> you just click that and use that for the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to start out the what's going on with a little bit of black girl magic and give it up for Cardi B and uh, Bodak Yellow. And Cardi B is the first female rapper to hit number one solo in almost 20 years. Is Cardi B? Uh, is she? Af- I thought she was Latina. She Latina. is. She is Afro-Latina. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure. I don't want to call her something that she ain't claiming. Afro-Latina. All right, all right. Afro-Latina. Good job, Cardi B. I've been seeing stuff. I don't know. I'm I'm sorry. I'm, I think I, I, I know her song because I've heard it. I've heard some of her songs, but I don't, I'm not like a fan of Cardi B. I think she really only had, you know, I don't know how many songs she's got out right now, but she, she definitely made her way onto the scene uh, in some of the VH1 shows. Like, I believe it was like Love and Hip Hop and different things. So, oh, really? Yeah. 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 Oh, she's a reality star. Well, she was an exotic dancer before that. I, and I, then became a reality star. I, I think I might got more love to the first job than the second one. And so, now uh, has put her <laughs> red bottom shoe all up in the middle of the rap So that's game. the one I've said. So, okay, yeah. Yes. So good good for her. I, I appreciate Cardi B. She is very, her personality is really vibrant. She kind of is who she is and is unapologetic about her personality and all the her her ways of being in the world. And I, I appreciate her. That's what's up. Do you think she's been camping? We can ask her. That'd be dope. You think we get her on? Come on, let's Cardi do that. Cardi B goes camping? I don't know. All right, so. That I'll would be fun, though. <laughs> we, you know we went, know? The Rangers would definitely be called if we were out camping, because she's loud already. Well, she's a loud person. <laughs> and um, I don't know. Okay, so I know someone who has been camping, I'm sure. Um, so if I can add to the black girl magic, uh. Sonequa Martin-Green is the new star of the new Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Discovery. Okay. And she was a cast member, and she played Sasha on um, The Walking Dead for multiple seasons. Okay. She uh, She's moved over to, to straight sci-fi, from, from the horror sci-fi to straight sci-fi, mm-hmm. um, and has taken on the, the central role in this new... Star Trek Endeavor, which I am super excited about. I've watched the first two episodes, and they are the bomb. Oh, so it's um, a show. It's not just a movie. No, it's a show. It's on oh. it's on CBS on their uh, on the was it CBS Access. So so here's the thing, and I did want to throw this out here just because we talk, you know. So I had this whole thing about the Star Trek piece. I really, I'm a big y'all know I'm about the 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 sci fi stuff. So right, like everyone knows that. 
Um, been waiting for Star Trek to come back for a long time. So now they do this 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 series, but it's a lim- it's a series that's only limited to their CBS website. Okay. So you have to pay. Okay. Right. So I was going back and forth about it. I've talked to other people about it. Yo, know, I went ahead and paid because in the end they made Star Trek come back, and mm-hmm. I want Star Trek, and I'm going to consume Star Trek. So what I did is I paid that nine ninety nine. So I don't have commercials, right? And so, yeah, you can get the five ninety nine one, but then you pay it twice because you're getting commercials. So if y'all go on that CBS stuff or Hulu, because Hulu's taking, if people are wondering, Hulu is controlled by NBC. That's why all their shows are on there. So if you're already paying for Hulu, you might as well pay for this and support Star Trek because I want Star Trek to just be so out So when there. you pay your nine ninety nine, do you get more than just Star Trek? Yeah, you get the whole thing. But oh, okay. I don't watch nothing else on CBS, so it's just Star Trek for me. Okay, got yeah. it. Got so it. I'll pay nine ninety nine. That's That's what... Like two fifty a two fifty an episode if you break that up. If know. if that's what you want. Hey, I'm just saying, I y'all guess. need to be on that. This a hey, my folks out there, uh Jedi you know that's Council. Monthly, and all though, right? Yeah. No. I'm cool. I go for nine ninety nine. Shoot. That's a big Mac right now. <laughs> <laughs> I live in the Bay Area, nine ninety nine. That's Uh-oh. a discount. Uh um so anyway, uh yeah, that's that's what's going on in entertainment. Um, so we have some other things going on in the world of sports, particularly related to the NFL. Yeah, um, the NFL, and well, yeah, I mean, stuff is happening in in the NFL that is a mirror of society that is is weird, and I don't, I, 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 I have a hard time even like stepping into the subject because it's so murky and and off. Um, so and off. So, yeah. so we are talking about NFL players taking a knee, some, or some taking a knee, some standing, holding locked arms, some owners in the mix of all that. Some people not coming out of the locker room for the anthem. Some people sitting on the bench, sitting on the bench, some doing their own thing. Up. Some people, people doing a lot of different stuff and trying to get credit. That's what I think. But we can talk Keep about going. that. No, I'm let's, just saying. Like, let's, so, so let's let's talk about. It. So, like, when we were taping um, last, like, the week before last, a lot of this stuff happened. You know, so there was like the next day, basically, while we were editing, like, the NFL had you know the all these games and people were taking knees in different ways. And so we've talked about this before. We've talked about Cap and like his 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 piece. And I know that uh, that 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 um, Lamisha is gonna. Like get on me because mm-hmm. I was like not really about. Becker Kaplan was late. You were, you, I was not late. You were. You were I was not absolutely a- not late. No, I don't. See, here's the thing. I don't just jump on board of bandwagons. You know what I'm saying? Like just because you do something, don't make it real. I want to see what you're gonna do. You know, I know. And I think that's a, that's where we are right now. So I'm not gonna get on you about the, about Kaepernick and about you criticizing the heck out of my boy. Uh, you know, when hey, he first stepped on and, the scene. And I gave him props when I started seeing that it was like a consistent thing. Right. So the challenge I think yeah. that we're both having right now, and, and I believe that you're going to go a little bit harder than I am. But, you know, I am, I'm set, sitting back and not really. In, and please hear me that it's not in a place of, of criticism, but really Mine in a is. space of one. <laughs> uh, you girl's not not trying to rail on people, not trying to drag anybody, but really stepping back and trying to, to understand, you know, what. The, the bigger picture, a more full picture. You have Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, putting himself out there. This was over a year ago. 
And Obama was in office. Okay, so this is over almost no, no, over a year. Ago. Over a year ago. Now now Homeboy is not even in the league and we know the the quarterback situation that's happening in the NFL for those of you that follow it. They but suck. They they are pretty much terrible. So for you to say that Colin Kaepernick is not worthy to to be on any team is kind of questionable given the states of the collective quarterback uh lineups that we have. Can so I also th- point out real quick that there's always been a problem in the NFL in giving black or brown people quarterback position. So, like, let's not forget about that either. All right. That's a great point. Yeah. So so that's happening. And at the same time, now it's like it feels a little all too convenient. Right. So while I'm not saying this in the spirit of criticism, I am wondering where all these players were at. When Colin Kaepernick was struggling to get a job and when they didn't necessarily take a near stand by him, but something about maybe Trump saying something or maybe other people coming and stepping up that it seems like people are feeling a little bit more of a personal responsibility to represent themselves, maybe their families, maybe other ways in which they are feeling connected to the issues right now where it wasn't happening in the last 12 plus months. A lot of maybes in there. Yeah. And for these owners to come out and take knees or lock arms when we know that they have a legacy of behaviors, actions and statements that are any such anything besides, you know, being in the spirit of solidarity with particularly a group of folks that are majority African-American in the NFL. Is that fair to say? Uh, Is the I'm NFL just, majority African-American? I'm, I'm just waiting for you. I'm I'm Yeah. I don't know if the majority is African American. I don't know that. Um, I would love to know the statistics. You know, but like, it doesn't. I think that there's enough of a population where over we're, we're definitely overrepresented. Right. You know? So if there's 15 percent African American people in the United States. There's way more than 15 percent African American people in in the top echelons of the NFL, and throughout it. So, um, but just not in the owner class. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Or the coaching class or the GM class. Right. So my issue, my concern is my wondering is really about the the authenticity of some of these actions. And why is it taking people so long? Right. To to feel connected to the struggle or to the issues. And my hope is, is that they continue to connect and be in more of a lock and step and have larger, broader, collective goals and demands and whatnot and behaviors because as we we know that, that folks are just powerful when they're when they're all together. And so I think that people in the NFL can really take a stand to really make a difference. Um and I'm just wondering yeah. if, if that's gonna happen. No, no, absolutely not. It's not. It's not it hasn't it's not it's not happening. Look, to be uh, really so, transparent, no. I, I want them to not suit up. I want them to not play. Well that's not gonna happen either. I mean like so I, I think it would be really cool if they just did not well, play this for know, a game. It's not, they're not going to do that. Um, they, they, so, first of all, everything you said, I can agree with it. If you're only speaking about the people who took a knee during the actual national anthem, only them. The people who actually did what Cap did, who who who, who fully engaged in the symbolism that Cap did, right? If If you did that, then cool. I ain't talking to you right now. Lamisha was talking to you. So you can have that. Everybody else, all the rest of y'all, all of y'all, 
Like, I don't care who you are. If you were standing, if you were sitting on the bench, if you did the knee before the national anthem, if you were holding someone's arm, if you had your hand on someone's shoulder, none of y'all are real. I'm sorry. Like, no, straight up. It takes nothing to take a knee. It is actually the most common stance that football players take. We always come in when something's important, you take a knee, right? All of them could do it. They chose not to because they're scared. And it's fine if you're scared, but don't you can't get credit. I'm sorry, you can't be halfway. You know, like, people, I mean, it, it really irks me. Okay, that people I see are, that. I well, hear that. Well, but, like, no, I'm saying, like, this idea. So, look, I'm going to be real. Um, so, I'm, I'm going to say... I experienced being a football player at a high school and a Pop Warner level. I'm not a, I was not a college athlete. Obviously, I didn't do anything pro or any of that stuff. But I had enough co- contact. I spent enough years in it to understand the culture of, of, of what, like, the, there's, like, some core pieces to being a football player. Um, when I was a kid and I jumped off sides, I had a coach tell me, my main coach, one of the things that actually is one of the, most more important pieces of advice that I've ever gotten. He said, Palmer, if you if you mess up, I want you not to halfway mess up. Right. He said it differently. I'm not going to use his language, but he said, you know, don't have don't halfway mess up. I want to see a Palmer shaped hole in the wall when you mess up. OK, the idea being that if you play football, you go hard 100 percent of the time. There's no halfway, you know, there's no mm-hmm. there's no jog. It's sprint and hit and grind people. Right. So if you're a football player and you're doing a half measure, you're going to do something semi-symbolic. You're going to I'm going to I'm going to lock arms instead of taking a knee or I'm going to do it earlier or I'm going to do it when my when my GM and the owner says I can do it. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh-huh. I'm sorry. Like you get nothing. You can I don't I don't have hate for you, but you get nothing from me. I'm sorry. It's just not it's not it's so, not so- being what it's not doing anything. All you're doing is like pushing this narrative that somehow having sentiment towards people right. is going to do any any kind of change. Right. And that is not the narrative of resistance, number one. And so I, I, I hear you and I just want to echo back what you said and just give you a chance to really highlight because I think you said something really important that this this wishy-washy doing a little bit of the left step, doing a little bit of the right knee, doing a little bit of the before or after or with the owner, whatever these positions that are people are taking is not in the full spirit and not in the full place, right? There is something deeply powerful about taking a knee or not being present during the anthem, right? And then, and for those that have not figured out, there's a difference of protesting the national anthem versus utilizing the national anthem as an opportunity. No, to... no, 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 what? no, no, no. That's what we I'm hearing pro- you say. We are protesting the national anthem. You think so? Absolutely. Like, the whole point is like... I don't think people are protesting the national anthem. I think that the point of doing that is to say that the promises that are implicit in the national anthem and in the flag itself as we supposedly to 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 pledge our allegiance to them are have been violated. Yes. Right? So I am not going to pledge allegiance. I am not going to and I'm saying this for me right now. I'm not going to pledge allegiance. I am not going to salute. I am not going to stand up. I am not going to do any of those things until the American until America all of us together come together and say that I'm worth something, right? That I have, that I'm enfranchised, that I get piece of the franchise. 
that I'm not that it's not okay for a police officer to come and just kill me randomly and then people talk about what I did wrong. You know what I'm saying? So like no, I people I I I don't want to get caught in that counter narrative. Like it's not really about the flag and it's not really about the national anthem, but not because we're not protesting it. It's that no, it's just yeah, it is. We're we're totally doing that, but we don't care. It's not we're not going to get into a freedom of speech argument. Like I it's not about like arguing that we should have freedom of speech. It's about arguing that you shouldn't be killing us. Right. And we're using our freedom of speech to to, po- to point that out. Exactly. Yeah. But like, no, like, the, no, the reason I'm so there's been this whole Help thing. Help me understand the, that. The, the media, like, like media has been spending the whole last two weeks talking, talking about, about like freedom of speech and talking about how people should and should not protest. And they have not been talking about black lives. Correct. You know, so like when and it, what it is, is it's a straw man. Like basically from from a rhetorical perspective, we have been lured into this space where now we're arguing about our right to argue as opposed to arguing about black lives. And so like when people when we start onto that rhetorical space, I just can't go there. Like we're not like forget the flag. I don't care. Like it's not like straight up. The flag is a symbol. The flag is supposed to symbolize our people is not more important than our people. People, and they talk about these vets. The vets are dying for the people, not the flag. You know what I'm saying? The vets are dying for the people, not the flag. So I want to focus on the people and not worry about this whole flag conversation. Like, who cares? Yes, but I guess to, to roll it back a little bit, something that you had mentioned, which I was just trying to, to see if I was hearing you correctly and or reflect back to you, was this piece about the importance of taking that that moment and doing that protest or that demonstration or or displaying that sign of taking a knee or not being present during the national anthem as being symbolic. Right. The moment isn't about the flag, though. The moment is about the jeopardy you're putting yourself in. Like when you do civil disobedience, the, the point of a civil diso- uh, a civil disobedience movement is to show that you're not going to do what the 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 rule system says you're gonna do and you do it peacefully, you do it nonviolently and you do it in a way that disrupts. And so by them not standing for the national anthem, they make people uncomfortable. The point is to make people uncomfortable. But the but I honestly the the symbolism behind like getting to, to, to arguments about the symbolism of the flag and all that stuff is is counter to the point. It's not necessary. Right. That's not what yeah, that's not what I was trying to say. I was trying to acknowledge that there was something very critical about the the placing of that act, whether it's taking a knee or not being present on the field. I can hear that. What I heard you say, and I think that, that what a lot of people have always reflected on are the aspirational values of the of the Constitution, of the fl- of the flag, and the irony in the fact of, of its making and its creation, right? That when the, the Constitution was written and it says that all people are created equal— Black folks were still three fifths of 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 a man, so there has always been a historical mismatch between recognizing these aspirational values that are written within the Constitution or written within the Declaration of Independence that are not congruent with the lived experience of. No, I think it's been totally congruent, like you said. The Constitution said that black people were were, were three fifths. Um, that's what it said. That's what it meant. And that's what the the, the framers meant. Um, I don't like the idea that we pretend in this country that somehow the past, this this 
great back in the past was somehow good for everyone besides white male property owners who are Christian. Like, that's what it was. It was for them. It was not for us. It wasn't for women. It wasn't for black people. It wasn't for native folks. It wasn't for brown people. It wasn't for disabled people. It wasn't for anybody except for white male property owners who were Protestant Christian. Like, if we've had to fight wars and push legislation. We have huge like edits to the Constitution, the, the amendments, right, mm-hmm. that go on there that say, oh, by the way, we need to change this. And so with all those amendments, we can say now there are much more protections and much more enfranchisement of people across the board, except for folks don't enforce it correctly, right? And folks ignore it. And like people like Trump are going around basically using their own kind of selfish compass to decide the lives of other people, you know? So, mm-hmm. it, I mean, this is what we talk about when we talk about white supremacy and white privilege and misogyny and all this stuff. It's not, it's it's that our system is, is, is built to house that and no one is fighting on that side really to change it. And so mm-hmm. we have to change it. Like there wouldn't have to be a Black Lives Matter movement if police reformed themselves. They're not. You know, they might some of them are in small ways, but the wholesale kind of reform that needs to happen in order for this for us to be safe in the United States has not even been broached. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, it's it's I don't know, like we can have like a whole we can have a whole freaking other podcast on what's messed up with the Constitution and and the U.S. But like I'm just uh, what I'm getting at is like this idea that we. We are pushed to talk about what they want us to talk about, and I just don't want to, you know? Like, we are pushed to, like, get into these conversations about whether it's okay for us to sit or stand or mm-hmm. protest or mm-hmm. whatever. And no, I refuse. You tell me You tell me how you have the right to tell me how to protest. Where in the, where, where in the Constitution does it say that? Mm-hmm. That you get to curtail my speech, right? Like, you, I want them to prove that stuff to us, and I, 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 and I want to stay, I want our rhetoric to be... To be pure, you know, like we're talking about black lives. One of the like it, it wasn't maybe the the core instigator of starting our, our podcast, but it very quickly became one of the core themes. Correct. You know, so yeah, it just it, it bugs me. Um but that that's where I am right now. Okay. Well I can yeah. I can I can hear and appreciate that. And so I'm just gonna wrap it back with like staying on, on message and like you said, in terms of not being drugged into other narratives and other conversations that are distracting and fundamentally undermined the spirit of resistance. Thank you. Cool. All right. All right, moving on. Moving on. So you ready for it? I'm ready. Real talk. Real talk. So with all that's going on in the world, there is some interesting things happening that that many people know about, which is the devastation of the multiple hurricanes, but most recently Hurricane Maria in the Caribbean and its impact on Puerto Rico. And so we wanted to kind of get in the conversation a little bit and highlight some other things that may have been not said as clearly. Right. So, like, first of all, like Maria went over Puerto Rico. Um, Irma and Maria both kind of crossed both of those, right? Mm-hmm. Irma left Puerto Rico pretty unscathed, but Maria, like, just knocked, knocked the hell out of it. Um, conversely, the Virgin Islands 
um, American and the British Virgin Islands were like pretty much destroyed by Irma. Mm-hmm. Um, so in both cases we have, and we're not even speaking about non-U.S. territories, right? Like right now, even though non-U.S. territories were beat up pretty bad and people were displaced and all that stuff. but And, I w- and the news and U.S. media talked about them like they were sheltering, you know, that these land masses had no people on them and were right. were umbrellas for the good old American folk. Right. The main, they, 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 sh- they were shields for the mainland. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, so here's, here's where we're, where we are. Like we're watching the news. We're looking at what's happening in, in Puerto Rico. We're not seeing very much about what's happening in the Virgin islands because they're not covering it. And we'll talk a little bit about that too. Um, but this morning, because we were planning to talk about Puerto Rico, but we uh, this morning something really odd happened. Hmm. Um, something I've never seen happen before. Like I saw, I remember I was watching uh, the the MTV show with uh, Mike Myers and and Kanye back in the day when he was like, you see Kanye acting real weird for a second. And he's next to Mike Myers, and Mike Myers looking at him like, "What? What? What's wrong with you?" And he's and here comes Kanye. George Bush doesn't care about black people. I was like, "Wow, Kanye!" That was that, on the telethon. That was on a telethon. That was a big deal. Kanye got in trouble for it. You know what I'm saying? Other people have talked about like other folks in different ways, but I've never seen the president actually come out and say, "I don't care." And mm-hmm. that's what he did this morning. Mm-hmm. So for you, for those of y'all that. We'll probably have read about this or heard about it. So what Bedford is referring to are the tweets that Donald Trump put out early this morning on September 30th. Um, And I'll just read some of them. It says, and I quote, The mayor of San Juan, who was very complimentary only a few days ago, has now been told by the Democrats that you must be nasty to Trump, period. And continues on and says, quote, such poor leadership ability by the mayor of San Juan and others in Puerto Rico who are not able to get their workers to help. They want everything to be done for them when it should be a community effort. 10,000 federal workers are now on the island doing a fantastic job. Yeah. So um, basically, we have a active disaster relief and recovery situation happening in multiple places in the United States, mm-hmm. right? And the president of the United States is insulting the mayor of one of the, the 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 primary cities that's been devastated, and insulting the workers, the people of that space, mm-hmm. the the actual people who 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 have who lost their houses, lost right. their property, who have no food, have, have no water, family members dying in hospitals. Correct. Tell, basically, calling them lazy. And I wonder, I, I never heard him say anything about that, about like the good people of Texas mm-hmm. or the good folks of Florida. And I wonder what the big difference is there. You know what I'm saying? Actually, I don't wonder, but we'll get into that. Well, let's just get into it, because how is it that that you can refer to the mayor of San Juan, a woman of color, Carmen Cruz, who went on TV in tears, uh, who was pleading for the help and recovery efforts of members of, of of Puerto Rico and the people of Puerto Rico, while also really just explaining that the, the assistance has not been there, right? And I that's not wrong of her to say. Well, it's not only not wrong, it's just what she, it's her job. Right. But the thing is, you know, if we're going to get into the mind of, of 45, 
is that I you can't give that mind. Well, you can't help it, right? Like he keeps reacting as though everything is personal, mm. right? So if anything is said that like disrupts his idea of him as like this powerful leader, you know, something like a Kim Jong somebody, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he 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 lashes out. So instead of hearing, we need more help, send more help, do what you can, he hears, I'm not good enough, right? And just like anybody else who has some sort of inferiority or whatever is going on with this dude, like, he responds by lashing out at people who he's supposed to protect. Like, his main job, I'm sorry, but the president's main job is to protect the people of the United States, right? So right now, he, I mean, that tweet should be impeachable, how about that? He's proven himself to be who he is, which is selectively supportive of people who are only supportive of him, right? And like you said, to hear any amount of criticism as a direct threat, uh, which is, the response is not only petty, uh, but is completely unprofessional and unpresidential and it's happened time and time again. But it's layered in racism and in all t- types of othering that creates further divide, right? And I think it reinforces, like you said, right, the false narrative. Because one of the, the challenges that people have right now is really not understanding that people of Puerto Rico are U.S. citizens. People of the Virgin Islands are U.S. citizens. Well, yeah. I mean, like... It, it's, they're not refugees from another place. Well, but if you're brown, then you become a refugee. If you're if you're brown, you're, you don't deserve you know, the, 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 the help of, of other folks. So like, I mean, like we talked about this before, but I'll bring it back up. So we talked about this, uh, um, a theorist calling, right. Who talks about the three assumptions of privilege. Mm-hmm. Right. And so one of those assumptions is the assumption of worthiness. So are you worthy of getting things that people would normally just get by right, by, de- by deserving it? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, if white people in Texas have their homes destroyed, they're obviously worthy to get relief and recovery and loans and all the things they need and food and shelter and, you know, just generally things that you need to do to sustain your life. Mm-hmm. If brown people on an island off the shore of the United States have their entire island devastated, eh, if they act right. Maybe we'll take care of them. Mm-hmm. Right? Doesn't matter that they pay taxes like everybody else. Doesn't matter that they're American citizens. It just matters that they're brown and they want something. And how dare they? How dare she say anything negative about Trump? Right? How dare she? She 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 fix her mouth. This woman, this Latina, right? To speak to me like that. That's where he's at. Mm-hmm. You know. So now, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't like. Hold Go. up aid. Yeah. Uh huh. You know, like I mean, like, and he, they already are. People are dying. Let's like seriously, like, break down to like the bare bones of this, right? This, the, 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 the response to to this disaster, both in Puerto Rico and in the Virgin Islands, right? Yes. Is super slow, and because of it, people are dying, right? So he's killing people. This the, the effort is not being made to save people's lives the same way it's been done in other places. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that I mean, how big is Puerto, Puerto Rico is like the size. I mean, honestly, the island is the size of many cities, metropolitan areas. 
You know, it's not a very big place. The Virgin Islands is tiny. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the holdup? I'm just saying. Well, I think that you have acknowledged that the holdup is really rooted in a, a, a legacy of racism and colonialism. And I think we have to acknowledge where that comes from and really name it when, when we see it. Yeah. So, my, of course, I'm an optimist and I'm going to you know pray and hope that, that folks will receive the aid that they need and that we can continue to come together. And there's some things happening locally uh, that we will post up for folks that if they want to donate to the relief efforts, there are some local uh, San Francisco-based organizers who are um, gathering resources. And if you just Google the hashtag SF for the number 4PR, uh, you'll find a local organization of Puerto Ricans in San Francisco in the Bay Area who are convening to provide aid and relief and to send that directly towards uh, the victims in those spaces. Yeah. What about nationally? And so nationally, there are some other amazing organizations who are collecting funds to give back to the victims of both Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. And so basketball player Tim Duncan has a crowdfunding uh, going on right now. And this is 21 U.S. Virgin Island Relief Fund. And we'll post that up. And then um, there is another organization, United for Puerto Rico, and they will be collecting donations and funds specifically for Puerto Rico. So you all can definitely find some more organizations. And if you ping them back at us, we'll be happy to share those on our social media. And just, you know, want to be sure that with everything that's going on, just know where your money is going and be intentional about where you give. Yeah, we uh, there, we found an article on PBS uh, that gave a bunch of uh, examples. And you can go on to FEMA and they'll give you examples too. Um, one of the big pieces that, that they're talking about is that they just want you to send cash. Don't try to get water and all that other stuff. Like if you send cash, then the people who know how to coordinate all that stuff can use the cash to get the water and get the supplies and send it in the way that they need to send it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's that's kind of what's happening with how we might be able to help in limited ways right now. Um, another piece that we wanted to talk about was just this idea of, you know, I've, I've been watching some of the streams of some of my friends who are who have family in Puerto Rico and all that stuff. Um, they talk about the fear of leaving and not being able to come back. Oh. Right? Um, so it's 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 kind of like, I mean, if we go back, think about what happened with Katrina. Like, people who left New Orleans, people who, who left Louisiana at that time, a lot of them got displaced and they never were able to return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And the, the historical pieces of knowing that the use of land and the taking of land that belongs to indigenous people, like this is nothing new. And so hearing 45 make comments that are exclusive around the indebtedness of Puerto Rico, I often wonder if that's a bit of a dog whistle uh, when he talks about one of the first things that he'll always say is Puerto Rico is already in debt. The infrastructure is terrible. All these things are wrong with it. They owe the government so much money. And I do wonder if that is a bit of a signal to those uh, investors or folks from different places to really to recognize that that's an opportunity for them to swoop in and to stake some claim and to really buy up a lot of land and a lot of property. Um, the dude is a real estate investor. Mm-hmm. I mean, like straight up, I, I would not be surprised if like he's not already trying to put the next Mar-a-Lago or whatever in in you know some beach out there. I mean, it, I think it's a real concern. 
that folks who because here's the thing when you're when you're a brown person or a black person um and you leave your land in the united states people try to take it that's historically just true right Mm -hmm. and so we're talking about a, a caribbean island right now how much money is there in resorts and in real estate and in all kinds of like offshore things that people can do to get away from, you know, this idea of getting away from the mainland and being able to do stuff that you're not supposed to do. Folks will go out there. And I mean, I, I couldn't, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that there's a limit on the nastiness that people can get into. Absolutely. So that's just something to watch out for, because, you know, what we saw in Katrina was that there was this interesting piece of people being told to come back and to rebuild, which, of course, helps various local infrastructures and different businesses. Right. Whether it's construction or concrete or rebar, et cetera, et cetera. And then the city at large um, made different plans for different neighborhoods and communities where they put in new roads, where they built larger hospitals, where they did a lot, where they actually reclaimed a lot of those spaces and people that did rebuild were then forced to give up their their renovated home uh, because the government and the state came in and said that their street was now going to be taken over. Yeah, uh, so and then I mean, just tore it right back down. It's it was terrible. Yeah, so I mean, like this this idea of eminent domain, this idea of money being able to move things. One of the reasons, like, so one one thing that folks know, I think instinctively, is that when you're on your land, it's harder to move you off of it. You know, but when people are gone, when people, you know, when when a large portion of this population ends up in you in in um, cities on the mainland, what's going to happen to their homes? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are organizations that are starting to crop up, and people are starting to talk about this. So it's something that I would say everyone should keep their eye on and figure out how we can support making sure that Puerto Rico stays Puerto Rican. Um, same difference with Virgin Islands. Um, yeah. The last piece to, like, I think on this tip that we, I don't know if we really spoke to, and I just want to kind of acknowledge it, is that um, Puerto Rico is larger than the Virgin Islands, but it's also lighter than the Virgin Islands. Mm. And so we, we've we been looking for, for um, information on the news and whatnot, and we really just haven't been able to find very much about the Virgin Islands because they're not being covered. Um, and... That's racist. I mean, like, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's that's what's happening right now. The, they weren't being covered when they were first hit, and they're not really being covered now. There's enough space on the news for both. There's enough space on mm-hmm. TV and in our hearts, and there's enough funding to take care of everybody. We're choosing who we think are more important. Right. Um, and so it's... It's just, you know, it's a microcosm for what we talk about with colorism, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that... People who are brown have it necessarily substantively better than people who are black. But when you compare what's happening, there is a difference in who's being placed to the fore. People, white people in in, in mainland are being put in the front, brown people in the middle and black people are just not being paid attention to. Right. And even in the conversations legislatively, you know, I I know that a lot of these national disasters were happening simultaneously and for them to be written in such ways where they're limited or the funding that is being given to different people is limited regionally or limited to the state. uh, It just doesn't make any sense that then it's going to create more backlog in the system for politics and for Congress to have to go in and to rewrite policies and to repropose different bills and different 
different relief aid packages when essentially they could have done it all in the same time. Well, you know, but it's only a backlog if you're if you're black and brown. Correct. Because for places that aren't, those things happen very quickly. It doesn't mm-hmm. take eight days. Right. You know? And even so. the same provisions of whether it's the restrictions around um, different types of shipping companies being able to bring in things to different ports. A lot of those, whether it's the Jones Act or some other policies, a lot of those things were lifted very, very easily when it came to Texas and when it comes to Puerto Rico, not. And we see the disparate treatment in these different ways. And it for us, for me, it just doesn't make any sense, right? And well, it, it does make sense, though. I mean, it's not... Like, I hate when we say that. Like, it but, does uh, make sense. It's, it's, it, it makes total sense. It's just evil, you know? It's just wrong and evil and nasty. But, like, it totally makes sense. That's what oppression is. That's what we're telling people, right? So, like, it is. It makes total sense. And to be able to see it as such, I think, is really important. And I think naming the amount of colorism that's that's happening and the disproportionate disproportionate amount of coverage that's being done in these different spaces is really important. And to also then to be able to to speak to what happens further and further down the line, whether it's maybe it seems something like that's very subtle, but you know we just were doing some some googling and something as simple as you know the Red Cross having a dedicated you know amount of a small grant for households in Texas. It's like I'm wondering, okay, so when are they going to put up a small grant for households? in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands, right? Because right. there's victims there too. Right. So, I mean, so, we can go on and on about mm-hmm. this. Like, the, the it's an ongoing disaster. I think one of the things that I remember people said about Katrina um, that I think we can start to, to really honestly say about what's happening in Puerto Rico and the, the Virgin Islands uh, is that there was a natural there was a natural disaster that happened at first. But now we're in a space where the the ongoing disaster is man-made. You know, there could be more help. There could be more supplies. There could be more recovery happening right now. And real talk, it's not the people on the ground. It's not like the worker, you know, it's not the, the soldier who's over there who's helping. It's the politicians and the people who are in power who are not doing what they can when they can. So does that wrap up Real Talk? That wraps up Real Talk. So is it time for us to get into the takeaways? Yeah, we've had some pretty good feedback on that. So let's like try to do that. All right. So in the spirit of knowledge, skills, and awareness, we're going to hone in on the knowledge piece and really encourage people to learn more about those that you encounter and the populations that you might work with, be around, or serve in your professional capacity. Right. So like this this concept of knowledge, skills and awareness, it kind of comes out of um, the the discipline psychology like does does pieces on that. Counseling also speaks to it as well. Uh, But it's one way to organize your thoughts and how you can approach, you know, being more socially just in in, in cultural spaces. Um, So the the knowledge side is really speaking to the idea that you need to have some sort of um, general understanding of the people that you're going to be working with, right? So how do you come across that understanding? There's a lot of ways to do that, but from a knowledge-based perspective, it's the idea of you going out and doing research. You know, have you read about the folks that you're working with? Have you spent time looking at documentaries and, like, watching, like, uh, films and, and, and reading books and basically getting a general understanding of how to work with folks, 
You know, the reason you might be thinking, okay, so I don't want to just get like if I'm going to work with black people, I shouldn't just read books about black people. Of course not. There's a bunch of other things that you need to do. But if you don't get a base knowledge of the people that you're going to work with, then you make huge mistakes and you ask them to teach you stuff and you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. You know, like if I come into your store, I shouldn't like it and I want some black hair care products and you sell hair care products. I shouldn't have to go through a deep explanation of what a black hair care product is. You sell this stuff. You should know. It's up to you. Figure it out. If you're the president of the United States, you should know that one, Puerto Rico is part of the United States and the Virgin Islands are part of the United States. And two, you should have, you should have a, a understanding of how those cultures work, how the people there live and what you're going to need in order to save people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What do you think? Yeah. So just as a foundational piece, I think that's what that really is what you're emphasizing that, yes, the the larger picture is is bigger, but we're just starting with the, the knowledge piece and really encouraging folks to get your information. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's our takeaway today. You know, you got to build your knowledge if you're going to serve people. Absolutely. So. Is that it for episode 40? That's episode 40. All right. So if you got questions for us and you want to either give us a ping or give us a shout, we do have a phone line and that is 607, you name it. You can leave us any questions and share your social media handle if you have one or your name if you'd like to. That's 607-862-6348. All right. And um, for details... About the topics mentioned in the episode, check out our website, namingitpodcast.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Naming It Podcast. And when you hit up our website, namingitpodcast.com, pick up some awesome Naming It t-shirts and other mugs and things at our Naming It store. And if you like what you heard, leave us a review. We haven't had one in a while. It'd be really, really nice to have a, a really cool review. We'll shout you out and tell people what you said and all that good stuff. Um, if you want to discuss a specific topic, send us a message, a tweet, you know, a uh, smoke signal, whatever you need to do, let us know and we'll try to incorporate it into the next episode. And you can find me on Twitter at Lamisha Hill. And I'm DRBF Palmer. And as always, we want to give a special shout out to Music on Naming It, provided by Lee England Jr. And he's on social media at Lee England Jr. And he goes by the soul violinist. Thank you, Lee. All right, all right. So that's it. All right, so make sure y'all donate and keep naming it. Right. Keep naming it, y'all. Peace.